We respectfully acknowledge the University of Arizona is on the land and territories of indigenous peoples. Today, Arizona is home to 22 federally recognized tribes, with Tucson being home to the Autumn and Yaqui. Committed to diversity and inclusion, the university strives to build sustainable relationships with sovereign native nations and indigenous communities through education offerings, partnerships, and community service. Welcome to this episode of the PA Path Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Lohenry, and we are glad you could join us as we seek to better understand the PA profession. You know, I, I think I've always had the mindset, even before PA education, of wanting to get in a position to be able to create policy practices that matter, that really afford um, people of color, but people in general opportunities. Well, welcome back to season three for the PA Path podcast. Steph and I are so excited to have you join us as we begin to explore additional programs and colleagues over the coming fall semester. We are fortunate to start this season with Morehouse School of Medicine and Dr. Pangela Dawson. Dr. Dawson joined them in 2017 as the founding program director, and she also has experience from the University of Kentucky, where she got her PhD in education policy studies and evaluation in higher education. She began her academic career at the University of Kentucky, where she served as director of clinical education, overseeing 300 regional, national, and international clinical training sites. She's also worked at the University of the Incarnate Word School of Osteopathic Medicine, and served as a clinical coordinator at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio. Dr. Dawson, Steph, and I will be talking about the program and about diversity, equity, and inclusion for the PA profession. And we hope you enjoy this episode and hang on for many, many more this fall. Dr. Pangela Dawson, thank you very much for being with us today. We, uh, Kevin and I are very happy to, to have you on our on our podcast, and it is a delight to, we can see you, our audience can hear you. We're happy to have you here today from the Morehouse School of Medicine PA program. So why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your history and your path to the PA profession and into PA education. Awesome. Thank you. I want to say first that I am super excited to have this opportunity not so much to share about myself, but I will do that. I usually don't like to do that, but I'll do that because you asked. I love the opportunity to talk about the profession. I love the opportunity to see how we can create pathways for young, aspiring um, learners to come and find their way to this profession and, and live their dream. Um, and then I just love talking about the Morehouse School of Medicine. So um, your question is in particular about me. So why, why PA is what I think I heard. Um, and so, yeah, many, many of us have the similar story, you know, it, especially in African-American culture. Um, we're raised to either think about being a lawyer, a doctor, or being a school teacher. Those are kind of the, the ways, you know, that we are talked to when we are kids. And I don't want to generalize, but many from the African-American communities know that that's the story. And so that's a bit of mine where I knew I wanted something in healthcare. And I've told this story before. It, it really is true. As many times as I've told it, it honestly is true. Um, as a kid, I watched my mother um, care for um, one of two uncles that were um, quadriplegics. 
And so she cared for him morning, noon, and night. We would, I would sit in hospitals all day with her. I would go to nursing homes with her and sit all day. And so the more I saw um, that profession and those folks um, lending care, and I saw my mother, a makeshift um, nurse, not by title, but indeed, um, I really just, I fell in love with the opportunity to, to maybe be able to give back in that way. And I know most times we tell students, don't say you just wanted to help people. That's why you want to be a PA. Pro, a PA. So it, it, it is much different than there. I really just um, lived in, in those environments and just saw my mother give and, and love so deeply. And so it really just curved um, my interest in this way. And so I stumbled upon the profession. You know, I only knew about doctor, physician, you know, even MDs, if we want to even narrow that down. Um, but stumbled in, in, in this direction um, by a relative who had an interest prior to me. And so I, it caught my attention. You know, I'm like, now what is a PA? Actually, actually, after that conversation, I went and started doing my research. And I tell students this all the time. We didn't have digital files back then. It was actually literally a big binder. And I killed a lot of trees back then where I just went and made copies of everything I could think of in the healthcare profession, primarily OTPT. I looked at, um, obviously, I went back and looked at medical school, MD, is this really an option? And then did my research on PA and fell in love with that option. Um, you know, had a, a young um, child back then. She was probably two or three at that time and um, already married. So this was the profession that I really believe would afford me a balanced life, um, if you will, when it comes to um, family and then career. Although I'll throw this in here, my life is far from balanced right now. Education does not necessarily lend itself, um, but I have a whole new philosophy when we think about work-life balance. That is really interesting because so many clinicians who interview to come into PA education, think it's kind of a, a way for them to kind of get into this phase of easiness or mm -hmm. um, just a little bit more balanced. But in fact, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. So, so, so tell us about that decision to kind of move into education. And how did sure. you end up becoming a director? Uh, great questions. Thank you. Um, let's see. So education, I, I, I don't want to go too far back, but I don't think we have time for that. But I think I was always the student or even the child before school that really just loved playing school, loved going to school, um, loved um, the, the act or the art of, of learning. And so, you know, you can probably talk to any of my family members or childhood friends. I was the one with the chalk at the chalkboard in our playroom, making someone answer a question. So I've always had that, that love for education. And then just as I said a moment ago, one of the things that usually, and maybe I shouldn't generalize, but I know one of the things that my mother in particular instilled in me was education. Like that was your bridge um, to make sure that you had an opportunity to be successful. Education is the great equalizer, if you will. And so I ran with that and took it very seriously really when I got to PA school, really took it very seriously. Um, you know, obviously understanding the weight of the white coat, if you will, and what that would bring to me in this field. So, you know, kind of, a, a, again, maybe some roots in my childhood that steered me toward edu education in particular. Now, when we talk about um, being an educator in PA studies and a program director, I will tell you, on that front, I came kicking and screaming. I, uh, I was actually in the clinic one day and my uh, the front office um, called me, you know, called me up and said, you've got to call someone by the name. And they said my program director when I was in P school, PA school's name. And I'm like, I wonder why she's calling. So I ended up calling her back. 
And, you know, that was kind of when it started. She said, I want you to come in and see if you're interested in teaching. And I thought it was, you know, interesting. I don't know that I was really ready to jump in, um, but I ended up going on campus and meeting with a department chair at that point and the program director of the PA program at that institution. And I don't want to say they beg and plead, but they were really coaxing, like, you should come. It's a great opportunity. Your life will never be the same. And I think at one point in the conversation, and I, I've told this before, they say, and we'll pay for you to get a PhD. And at that point, it was like, I definitely don't want to go back to school. Not interested. But somehow they threw something in the pot that, you know, got my attention. And then you know, I started my career as a, a lecturer and um, instructor for that program and kind of made my way up at this point. The decision more particularly or more specifically about being program director you know, I, I think I've always had the mindset, even before PA education, of wanting to get in a position to be able to create policy practices that matter, that really afford um, people of color, but people in general opportunities. Because sometimes, you know, we can work at a cer certain level, but until policy changes, you know, you're really not going to make the impact that you can. And so I saw the director role as one, a way to kind of get at the, a seat at the table to maybe make a greater impact for students of color, but all students. Um, and then, uh, you know, similarly, if I think about being a program director, I've always wanted, and this is, this was my, I can repeat my interview at, to PA school. I can probably repeat it or give you some, some big um, bullet points. But one of the things I share with my panel of interviewers back then was I want to do this because I want to get in a position. I want to be able to give back to my community. And that was sincere. And so today I'm doing that very thing as the program director at Morehouse School of Medicine. I've done it at other institutions before coming here. My heart, my soul is to be able to make those pathways so that others can come you know, behind me and be able to carry the torch. I think they say you know, you're standing on the shoulders of you know, those that have come before you. So I want to be some shoulders from, for someone to stand on and do something much greater. I think in my studies of leadership, Reluctant leaders are often the very best. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> In our conversation before we started recording, uh, Kevin mentioned that even back when he was president of PAEA, PAEA was in conversations with Morehouse School of Medicine to develop a PA program. And I, my presidency came after Kevin's. I was in 2016, I believe. And uh, we were even still having those conversations with Morehouse School mm -hmm. of Medicine at that time. And so I know that the history of a PA program at Morehouse School of Medicine has been a long and probably tortuous road. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about how this program came to be and some of the trials and tribulations that came uh, before you were able to successfully launch this, uh, this ship off the docks. Sure, thank you. Another great question. I do wanna say, probably the first organization to reach out when I accepted the job at Morehouse School of Medicine to, to found this program was PAEA. And that call really took shape in the form of what do you need from us to help you? How can we help make sure that, you know, your program is successful? And I think I ended up going to the forum that year in Colorado and actually had a sit down meeting with some of the leaders of PAEA at that time. So that support even, you know, at that, at, you know, from the institution itself um, was there all along. So 
even better to hear that both of you all played a you know a part in getting us to where we are now um, as a as a new program. Um, so yes, you're correct. The institution Morehouse School of Medicine has um, really been on task to try to get a program started. Um, as far back as I think you said 2011, but I'm I'm hearing maybe even a little bit before that. Um, they looked down, you know, many an avenue, if you will, to be able to see how can we best um, make sure we've got a, a program that can um, survive and be successful. And so that took, um, from what I'm I'm told, I've I've sat with um, some of the great historians at Morehouse, um, even to learn what what did you all do. Like the best way to start is go figure out what they did and what worked and what didn't. Who have you talked to? And so I took time to do that. And so some of the stories that I've heard from some of the pioneers, I'll, I'll throw a shout out to, and maybe you guys know, um, Dr. Ginger Floyd. So Dr. Floyd um, was one of the uh, the persons that was really talking to a number of institutions from the beginning. I'm even told that they even went to the DOJ to try to think of um, some partnerships. They went to a number of PA programs in existence, some in Georgia, some I'm told even, you know, up in the Northeast areas. Well, those never came, you know, to fruition. Um, and so in walks um, Dr. Valerie Montgomery Rice. Um, so I tip my hat to her. Um, our, one of our greatest supporters on the campus. She is the president now. Um, she came in the door, I'm told, and she was blazing. She wanted a PA program. She had the vision that if we were going to be true to our mission of health equity, we're going to need more players on the field, that MDs cannot do that alone. And she knew the power and the utility of the PA profession and how we can extend that reach into rural areas, into urban areas, all the underserved communities, that there were folks in those communities that would even consider the PA um, profession as their career of choice. And so with that vision, you know, we were off and running. She put some, some calls out, some, um, some support coming from the state to make sure, in fact, that, you know, we could get this program and, and run our mission where we needed to. And so that in walks me um, to interview. I think the day I they 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 wanted me to go meet her, and I wasn't prepared to meet um, the president. You have to know Dr. Montgomery Rice to appreciate the smile on my face. <laughs> but I walked in there trembling. Um, but I'll tell you, she has been the one of the greatest supporters on that campus for not just me, not just this program, but the profession. Um, I think she's already got she I learned this on the fly um, already looking at some residency opportunities um, for the program and how we can grow and stretch so and that's a little bit about the history you know and again and I you know I would be um, you know out of out of order if I didn't also kind of speak to some of the others there were a couple of PAs that were already at the institution that were part of those conversations to get the program up and going um, that it that being Susan Robinson and Sabrina Jackson Botts I just make sure I give them um, you know the honor that they're due for some of the groundwork that they did. But yeah, so you know the vision is that we are to carry this mission forward to carry you know some of the weight of this as a profession alongside the other programs at the institution. So so I'm familiar with Morehouse uh, my my previous department chair is a Morehouse graduate for medical school mm -hmm. and um and, and it's just such an impressive institution. But I I'm going to throw out my my naivete here. Uh, when I went there in 2011, my white privilege mm -hmm. had me make some assumptions about what Morehouse was all about, mm -hmm. because you know clearly as one of the HBCUs, it it has a strong mission for diversity, equity, inclusion. And I just I had this mindset. I was so wrong, but I had this mindset that that diversity at at Morehouse was really about underrepresented minorities in medicine. 
and nothing else. But what, what the president taught me on that visit, which was just, why is it so mind-blowing? I don't understand why it is. But but just for our listeners, actually, they look at diversity at Morehouse. Similarly to us, it's just, it's flipped, right? The script is flipped. And if we if we say diversity equals excellence mm-hmm. and equity equals, equals excellence, mm-hmm. then you have to have diversity in your classroom too. Absolutely. So, so can you talk a little bit about Morehouse's mission and how you achieve that mission as a program director? Sure. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, let me start with our mission. So our mission, I'll start, let me start with our vision, because our mission statement is much longer than our vision statement. Our vision statement says that we exist pretty much that we want to advance, create and advance um, health equity. And so we have this marvelous picture to kind of depict what equity is, um, because obviously sometimes that can get a little twisted or folks come up with different definitions. And I wish I could give a visual, but I know we're, we're this is a listening audience and not a viewing audience. But that picture, if you can imagine three, um, it's like a picture of three little boys, if you will, or you can say they're girls, whatever you want to say. And they're look, trying to look over this fence at this baseball game. But in fact, you know, the, the smaller individual can't see over the fence. He has one box um, and the, the individual, the middle sized individual can see just a little bit more. And then the taller one can see the entire um, field, if you will. And so what we say equity is, is in fact, giving enough of those boxes, to each of those individuals to be able to see over that fence and enjoy that ball game. Everyone gets to come to the game and enjoy it. And so what we really say that um, health equity is, in fact, giving people what they need when they need it in the amount that they need it. So, you know, that picture kind of depicts that the smaller um, entity, if you will, or individual gets three boxes. Maybe the the middle person gets two and the person that's, you know, already looking over the fence doesn't really necessarily need an additional box. That is what we look at when it comes to equity. And so you fuel that down into education, opportunity, health, obviously, um, economics. So we're thinking equity across the board, or, you know, across all of those aspects. Um, and so that's our vision. Our vision statement um, is, and I'll repeat it because we say it all the time, is creating and advancing um, health equity. And then if you look at our, our mission statement, it does talk about, um, you know, we're wanting to diversify the workforce is one of the mainstays in there. And so diversifying, just as you said, is a mix of everything. You know, a lot of times we get kind of caught on that one being race, but in fact, we do need to look at ethnicity and we do need to look at religion and geographical differences. And so we aim to do that. Um, I believe we are succeeding in that um, more and more with the PA program in particular, you know, as we're getting off the ground and, and folks are finding us and knowing that we're here and knowing our mission. Um, you know, we're looking for folks that get the mission, understand equity, have our service-minded individuals that have a heart to do the work in these communities that we want to serve. So it is a service-minded individual that we look for. Our diversity, and I wish I could flash a picture. We have students, you know, obviously we have African-American students. We have a number of students coming from Africa, you know, that, you know, they're, they're not necessarily American, African, you know, born and raised in Africa, but U.S. citizens. Um, we have Indian students. We have Hispanic students, we have white students, we have males, females, preferences with sexuality. We, you know, we are really looking to make sure that we can diversify 
thought and that we can look broadly at how we can serve these communities. Um, and so we're growing in that. I think the term, obviously the term across the country is inclusion to go with diversity. And so I will tell you Morehouse, we've had many a leadership meeting where we, we've talked about that, inclus that inclusive piece. We are checking our own selves to make sure that we haven't just stopped at diversity and that we're also considering the inclusive um, part of that. So when you think about the intersectionality of all the all that melting pot that you are recruiting mm -hmm. into your program, what are your observations about that classroom experience for the students in your program? Sure. So I there's a term, and, and so this it creates additional work. It's kind of that hidden curriculum, if you will, that we know all exists. We can have our 28 months, but then there's a little bit of something not on paper that's actually happening. So we try to be intentional about making sure we we break the students up because I don't know the name of that book where I think it was um, the the story was about the lunchroom, the middle schoolers in the lunchroom that you know they're, they're clumping together based off race. So to try to avoid that, we have learning communities. Um, that we have, um, you know, always, I was going to say implemented, but they've been a part since we, we've been up and running. And so we try to use those learning communities to put students together based off, yes, their interests. So maybe you have an interest in women's health, maybe you have an interest in, in public health or public education. So we try to put them together, but that also kind of makes sure that we can blend the groups, that we can kind of get away from clumping, if you will, so that all my Hispanic students aren't here and all my white students or Caucasian students and all my, so we try to be intentional about mixing them up so that they can um, learn about community um, and other communities. So, and, and actually about creating community and culture at the institution. So we're a bit intentional about that to try to avoid, but you can still kind of see, you know, my favorites, I always come over and this is my, my study partner, but we try to um, you know, get in there and negate that a little bit uh, by those learning communities. So we want to move to hearing a little bit more about what you're looking for in an applicant and helping potential applicants to Morehouse kind of know what's your program about? What can they expect if they come to Morehouse? What are you looking for in an applicant to your program? Let me start with maybe the, the second part of that, the middle part, and then I can tease all of the the uh, criteria together and what we're looking for, what's a strong applicant, but I'll, I'll kind of tackle that for that middle question. Um, and you said, you know, what can they expect from our program? So this is where I get to really smile. If I was smiling before, I'm really going to, that's going to be hurting in a minute, but so Morehouse, you know, I, I know every, all of us, I'm sure you guys know that that little statement or that comment where you say, if you've seen one PA program, you've seen one PA program. So yeah, that, that is obviously true. Um, and so some, something that makes us unique, obviously, is our, our mission. Um, but we've actually tailored our curriculum to make sure that we can live that mission um, so that it's not just the students coming in. And yes, we've taught you about healthcare disparities. We've taught you about, taught you, um, talked to you about underserved communities. We've talked to you about, you know, prevalence in certain, certain disease processes in certain communities. Yes, we do those things, but we've actually made sure that our mission is thread across our en entire um, curriculum. And so that's done through a course called Medicine and Society. So there's a series of four. And so we really try to use that. Yes, there's a little bit of cultural competency in there and interprofessional education in there. But we really try to make sure that we um, build our community engagement activities as part of that series. So those learning communities that I just mentioned, I'm interested in 
you know, if I can say pediatric or, or child obesity peds, then those students are actually doing their service around that topic collectively together. Um, and so what that means is the students get to really bring their interest into the program and develop those. Those become their capstone projects. Um, and so they're now doing a little bit of research and learning more about that and getting credit for it. And that also means we're building partnerships, you know, throughout the community and growing in that way. So that's one is that, you know, if someone is really looking for that opportunity to serve, you're thinking social determinants of health, you want to be impactful there. If you're thinking um, health equity in particular, then, you know, we've actually sliced that throughout our entire curriculum. I also would say, that we have really, and I know everybody's kind of kind of on cutting edge and um, trying to keep things innovative. Um, it's been for us, I don't want to say easy, a little bit easier, but it has been um, maybe a little bit more organic because we have, you're building from, we're building, we're building it in. We're not, not having to go back and redo curriculum. So we've been able to put things in our curriculum, you know, where, where maybe it took other programs that have been up and running for 30, 40 years, a little longer. So that including the point of care ultrasound, our students all get assigned their very own sinusome units, um, the butterflies, um, you know, um, equipment to be able to um, learn how to do ultrasound. Um, we have cadaver labs, um, you know, for students to be a part of. We engage our students with the MD students and, you know, the public health students. So, in fact, they're learning side by side um, on some occasions. Um, task trainers galore. I know, you know, that might seem obvious, but not every um, school has access to a lot of the medical equipment to make sure that, you know, their, their learning is at a certain level. Um, and then we have great partners on the campus. So when you think about, um, you know, the public health, if you think about our mission, if you think about the MD faculty, the basic science faculty, so all those folks come together to help us kind of create um, this program and make sure that our students are exposed and, and have the opportunity to be successful. Um, so there are some benefits to being, you know, at a medical school. Um, I will say that we are still um, inclined and, and responsible for making sure we continue to educate, um, you know, our colleagues across the medical school because this is a new profession. Um, historically, only MD, you know, if we think about practitioners, so we still are in the, the vein of um, educating. So I'll leave that there. I'll park that there. I'm sure I'll think of something else um, and maybe go to your question about, um, you know, the criteria. What are the, the criteria? So most of the prerequisites, like you would see across any other PA program, your sciences, um, and then your statistics, uh, your psychology. So we, we stayed in line with that. Um, but we did really, I guess I should say, what really strengthens an applicant is that community service. So what have you been in? There's not a requirement, but I encourage folks to think about their service um, and uh, be able to demonstrate that they've done that. Um, the other is we do require 500 hours of um, healthcare experience. Um, and that was a difficult decision for us because again, our, when we built this program, when we created and designed it, we wanted to make sure that we minimized as many barriers for students of color as possible. And sometimes getting a thousand or two thousand um, healthcare experience hours can be difficult if you know I don't have that social network um, um, to be able to tap into to say I want to shadow or I want to come in. So we do not require PA shadowing hours, but we do require the healthcare experience. And we made that difficult decision. We lowered it, you know, looked at what other schools were doing in the state, lowered it to that 500, just because we want to make sure that folks come in knowing what they're getting into. 
and you know don't have that student the second semester or right before the clinical year say I don't want to do this anymore and we probably all have had that once or twice so we do require the 500 hours I um, mean the GPA is a, a 3.0 the other thing that we've done again trying to minimize barriers for you know the learners that we want to recruit so we're not looking for the 4.0s, but we welcome those. You do not have to have a 4.0 or 3.8 to get into this program. We're looking at the whole person and we're looking at our mission and stacking those side by side. Um, but with that said, 3.0 is our minimum GPA. However, for those students that are just under that and they've gone and done some um, graduate work, we will look at your graduate work, and if you have a 3.0 in your graduate work, a minimum of nine credit hours, we will take that. And then also your last 60 hours. So if your last 60, 60 hours of undergrad are 3.0, we will calculate and use that. So again, intentional to lower those barriers for you know folks that may not may be first generation and didn't necessarily have the mentor to guide them through and had a mess up you know maybe for, for uh, freshman or sophomore year. So we really try to think of those things so that we can um, you know, be able to support those students that are coming in with um, diverse backgrounds. That's fantastic. And you're still a provisional program, correct? You're yes. like staff and, and I'm a developing program. Um, you're in that kind of trying to get over the finish line, so yes. to speak. Yes, yeah. we okay. have one more site visit. So we are due um, next year, application due in February. Um, and so that being the final one, and we are all believing and pointing our faith um, and speaking it into the atmosphere that it will be, you know, we will get that continued accreditation. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a big celebration yes. after all of that work to get yes. started. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I can relate to that. My program is on a very similar timeline. We have really? one left and, it, and okay. it, 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 it feels like a, a, a very important final hurdle to clear. It does, uh, it does, it does. And they're all important. But I tell my team, you guys, this one is important. If you thought the last one, this one is the one uh, we've got to give it everything. So, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, before we get into my next question, just, just in terms of your program's clinical phase, I, I was just out in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, actually, and there's such great mm -hmm. clinical training centers all over there. Mm -hmm. So what kind of places are your students able to train at in, in Atlanta and beyond? Sure. Thank you. These are great questions. Just so the audience knows, we didn't practice this, so these, but these are great, <laughs> great, great questions. And, and I guess I say that because I really just really appreciate the opportunity to share. Um, and so our students, one of our primary um, partners is Grady Memorial Hospital. So that is you know, the trauma one. That is the main uh, the main thing there in you know, the metro area of Atlanta. So they're seeing a little bit of everything. The institution actually has a close um, partnership with Grady. I don't know, when you were here, did you see Grady? I did, and and I and I'm well, very familiar with Grady. It's a it's an amazing place. Yes, absolutely. Yep, a perfect fit for our mission. Um, and so we partner very closely um, with them as a PA program. Very natural because a lot of our residency programs go through there. The GME, um, the departments um, at Morehouse go through there, and there's a uh, you know the faculty are actually. Um, have their uh, clinical time there. So a natural fit for us um, to kind of just go right in there. So our students right now do emergency medicine at Grady, um, psych, uh, women's health, and in internal medicine, I believe, are, and surgery. 
um, go there. So you can wow. see we kind of have quite a few, um, which was really helpful when you think about our initial site visit. If I can go back to accreditation, we had you know those partners in place um, just because of the history of the institution. Um, but we are we're sending all over the metro area. We try to be cognizant to our mission, so really trying to make sure our students have exposure to underserved communities that also mean rural areas. Um, so we try to partner with AHEC and then sometimes we're finding them on our own to be able to make sure that our students get some rural contact. I'll put a plug in here very humbly and my team will tell you I'm humble, but humble, humble plug that we were um, just awarded uh, the HRSA grant that just came out. Um, and so that allows us to extend our reach in the rural area. Um, and so we're looking at implementing a rural track uh, for our learners. So actually even our admissions will have a rural track. So individuals from rural communities interested in rural health will have a certain track. And then we will actually have um, didactic training. So rather than wait until the clinical year, we're actually working with them all throughout the didactic um, year to be able to talk about rural health, what that looks like. And so remember, I mentioned the learning communities. There will be a learning community that is rural health, if you will. And then their rotations will automatically be um, in the rural areas. So we're all over Georgia. But the exciting thing that I get to share, and this again, if I go back to Montgomery Rice, Dr. Montgomery Rice and her, her vision, um, we also now have a new venture that's really taken us beyond um, the state of Georgia. And so at the um, MD level, if you will, they've been working with uh, a partnership a partnership with CHI. So CHI uh, is, a, is connected to the St. Joseph hospitals across the country. Um, and so that falls under common, and I can't think of the name, please forgive me, common. Um, common spirit. <laughs> Common spirit. We, we are also affiliated spirit. with CHI. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say common spirit, but I thought there was another name. It is common spirit, but our, our initiative is called more in common, meaning more house and common spirit coming together. So this more in common um, initiative actually is allowing us to send our students where the president, where the institution has kind of spread in partnership with common spirit. So that takes us across some state lines Um um, to partner with some of our partners now or collaborate with some of our partners now through that common spirit opportunity. That's fantastic. Congrats on that. And, and especially the HRSA grant, that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, Thank it's a you. lot of work, right? Yes, yes, um, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll help a lot. So I would imagine as a program director that's been developing a new program, which has its own level of challenge, and then add on top of that what's been happening in society over the last, I mean, what's been evident in the last few years, it's been happening for a long time, but, sure. but what has really come, come to the foreground of America yeah. um, related to racism in our country. And Ahmaud Arbery there in Georgia and Breonna yeah. Taylor and, and everything else. Yeah. How, how do you as a program kind of read the tea leaves and, and you know, prepare for the future of the PA profession? What are some of the things that you're doing to really equip your students to be ready to, to make those shifts that, or those pivots that we all have to do when we graduate? Sure. Um, let me first share a story with you that'll maybe better um, demonstrate or illustrate the um, passion um, that our students um, you know, had and, and still have, but it's just, Specifically, you know, when we were at the height of the protest and some riots and you know, a little bit of everything going on, um, I uh, quickly 
uh, pulled, the, I shouldn't say quickly. I think actually one of the students let me know that they were really having a, a, a tough time. And so after that, quickly assembled, assembled the um, students. And remember, we're still in the throes of COVID, um, COVID, COVID, the primary, uh, the original. And so we were, we were Zoom, you know, we were not on site at that point. And so I called a quick Zoom. So we've got all of the squares on the screen. And I mean, you, uh, you, could, you could feel the tension and the hurt and the discouragement. Um, I mean, just even through the, you know, through the, the Zoom, you could see how weighty it was. They were distraught. They were tearful. They were angry. Um, they were confused. Um, really didn't know what they wanted to do. And, you know, I, I can laugh at it now, but obviously that, that afternoon, it wasn't funny, but you know, they were, they wanted to go take action just like you know, most of the world was, most of the country was like, we want to get out there. We want to. And so I really had to, um, you know, pull back or pull them back a little bit and really, you know, have a heart to heart, a little bit of a strong mama tone, but then also a heart to heart. Everybody needs to know, you know, their place on the battlefield. And right now, the biggest thing you need to focus on is completing this program. We're going to go downtown Atlanta and burn down any buildings, back down and whatever else is going on. We're going to do is we're going to complete this program, complete this race. So each of you are in a position to be able to go and make a difference. And I that diffused things a little bit, healed the hurt necessarily, but maybe gave them a little bit of a reset or recharge. And like, we know you're hurting. We're all hurting. We're all just bewildered right now. Not sure if we're left or right, up or down. We're here together experiencing this. I need you to is focus on the last, you know, several weeks that they were maybe coming from didactic and into can't remember the group, but um, so really refocusing them so you could feel it. It was, I mean, it wasn't on TV, it was in the room, although we were virtual. You could feel their hurt, you could feel my hurt. I mean, it was it was the, the faculty and staff, everybody together, but it was a time where I will say we came together. Um, and, you know, you, you always can sometimes the faculty are doing this, the students are doing this, but it was a moment where we came together and we hurt together. You know, we hurt and we and we healed together. We, we looked for that healing in that moment. So I'll never forget that. I think I've shared that that story before, but I'll never forget that because I'm going to be honest, before I got on that call with them. I was trying to figure out what am I going to say? You know, I, I was dealing with my own, my, my family, like just, just, you just, you're just trying to yeah. sort through it. Um, and so, you know, I had to, to really figure out my role in the Northern program director, but my role in this, that wasn't part of my job description, but my role in, you know, in this moment and what my students, what the team um, needed. Um, and so I realized very quickly, you know, I've got the hem on this that yes, they're here to learn medicine, but we got to do a little bit of life um, talk as well. So that kind of ties into your question about how do we prepare them? Um, I think honest um, talk, um, you know, making sure that there's space there, um, whether it's a director's dialogue, giving them room, because, you know, they, they did actually take action after that call, after we were on there, but it was the right action. It was, I think they did the, you know, the, the kneeling at Grady, um, and so collectively got with some other groups and, and went and figured out a productive way um, to make a stance. 
Um, and so, yeah, so a little bit of that, just some heart to heart conversations, some, you know, just uh, transparency and, and um, honesty, if you will, with them. And then a lot of times it's a listening ear. I'm to be told that I believe there is a maybe a webinar coming up here in the next little bit with PAEA that where they're going to be doing some anti-racism um, conversation again. We had a student back then, so a couple of years ago, who participated. He was on that panel um, and spoke so deeply um, and eloquently and represented um, you know, himself with the institution and the profession very well. So I think those spaces and making them aware that that space is available is part of what we um, try to do as well. Yeah, and I think about the, that time frame. COVID was already really complex, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we were all scared. And and as directors, I certainly can speak. I'm sure you both felt the same way. Mm -hmm. I felt I was scared for the safety of our students and our team, and navigating you know the the potential issues with rotations. And then mm -hmm. late that late May with George Floyd, yes, it was such a a sucker punch uh, to mm -hmm. society. But but I think, you know, like like you, we had similar conversations. The challenge I have, and maybe the hope I have, mm -hmm. the challenge is it keeps happening. Mm -hmm. So each time there's another incident, it's like, okay, now does it just sound like I'm just pulling out a tape of what I said mm -hmm. in, in that year? Mm -hmm. um, the, the hope I have and, and, the, and what I'm excited to see is that there, there does appear to be some continuity of effort on anti-racism work mm -hmm. in our profession. Mm -hmm. And and I appreciate PAEA's leadership on that and many others who have really been leading this conversation and pushing it that way from a place of tremendous vulnerability mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so that we can all figure out how to do this better. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. And, you know, I think there's an onus on us as, as educators and as PA program yes. directors to continue this dialogue. And I think, you know... It, I think we all have varying levels of experience in knowing how to approach this type of thing when it comes up, when we're seeing things on a national level that are occurring that, you know, there's a dialogue occurring. And, and I think while it's sometimes uncomfortable and sometimes we don't know how to navigate it, the yeah. worst thing we can do is say nothing, right? Our yeah. students are hurting. They are affected. They are confused. They mm -hmm. are wondering how this intersects with their own personal lives and with their their professional lives as a PA and how what their responsibility is both personally and professionally to this and so i think to not engage those dialogues with our students we're we're doing them a disservice right agreed i agree as uncomfortable as they are you know they're necessary if if you're true you know to to mission if you're true to what i believe this profession is trying to move towards and that is the response um, the profession. So, you know, I was, I was really um, amazed to learn, and I don't know why, because, you know, I've been at a couple other institutions before coming to Morehouse, but maybe it was just in that moment, the reality of, yeah, most institutions, most PA programs, because we're focusing on PA right now, you know, really don't give room to um, talking about social determinants of health. You know, there's a half an hour on it and let's move on versus really looking to how can we bake this in? How can we make this, you know, a thread that goes all the way through? And maybe it doesn't have to be a series of four, um, you know, courses as we've done it, but how do we do more in that? That, you know, as much as we want to teach students to, you know, interpret EKGs and x-rays and how do we also make sure you know, that we're teaching this, um, this very necessary um, lesson 
on um, you know, diversity and inclusion? What, what is our responsibility? Um, and I, you know, I get it, you know, there's still conversation around the standards and what that means, but not even going that far, but really just for the sake of humanity, what, what, what can we do better as educators? Um, and sometimes I'll just say, sometimes I think it's lending a, a, just a listening ear. He listened to, you know, as opposed to moving it off the table, just pause and listen. Sometimes, you know, it's just good to to let folks get out what they need to say. And you know, I think maybe that day, that's what the students really appreciated, um, you know, that in fact, they were given that space to speak freely. Um, so you know, I just encourage my colleagues across, you know, the PA um, profession and education to make time, you know, somewhere in there, make time. Um, even if you can't redo your um, curriculum, there's a way to tease it in there. Lunch and learns, partnering. We are we are Morehouse School of Medicine. We would be happy to partner in some way um, so that our students can dialogue and our faculty and staff um, can create that bridge. So you know, you got as you said to say nothing is probably the worst thing, um, or to close your ears is you know probably second to that. But to I don't know to engage. Well, Pangela, we usually like to finish out our time together with just kind of opening opening it up to you and seeing if there's anything that you'd like to discuss that we didn't really get to today with the questions that we asked. Do you have some final parting thoughts or anything else that you'd wow. like to add today? Let me see. Let me think here. This has been good. And obviously we're coming off a heavy topic. So, you know, I did a shift there um, because let me, I'll just say, now that I want to go, we don't have to go right back down that road, but um, it's not a turn off, turn on, talk, turn off, if you will. So, you know, you know, that we went there. And so my heart, my, my mind, my, you know, everything in me is, is, is back in that moment and the reality of, of where we are as a country. Um, you know, maybe we're not where we were, um, but well, there's still so much work to be done, you know, and, and then I, you know, don't get me started on gender um, equity and, and, you know, it's another whole conversation. We could go down and, and stay there, park there yeah. for a while. But um, yeah, so it's, to me, it's definitely not a turn on tone. The, the, the main thing that I say is, you know, if, especially to my students or any students of color out there. I mean, I know we're targeting prospective students, um, but you know, we've got this new term grit that we all say, you know, looking for grit, looking for the resiliency. Um, are they going to be able to make it through? And there is so much truth in that, you know, and probably that's what's kept, kept me on my feet all of these years um, and through this accreditation process is that resiliency. Um, but, you know, I guess as I think of African-Americans in particular, and I'll, I'll speak from that personally, um, you know, I think that's what has kept us in this fight, if you will, so long, is being a resilient people. You know, I don't, we don't have to go all the way back down our history of coming to this country, but that grit of, you know, it's gonna get better. You know, there's gonna be a way. And, and you know, there's so much history in, in being able to believe that and, and say that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just think as we continue these conversations, even in our admissions processes, you know, we all say that we're looking for that perfect candidate that has that, has that grit. Um, and I just think we need to do a better job as educators, as programs, um, weaving that into all aspects of our programs. So, you know, I think we've talked about diversifying our student body, diversifying faculty, diversifying staff. Um, and yeah, you know, maybe that factor or that criteria of grit is something we need to take across all of those means. Um, yeah. 
And, and, and again, don't get me started on pipeline programs. That's one of the things we do so eloquently at Morehouse. I'm looking at the same thing for the PA program, but we start with, you know, we're, we're at um, um, elementary schools, um, helping them with science fairs and trying to teach them what a stethoscope is. I, the first time I went, um, the school we had partnered with is Tuskegee um, Elementary here in Atlanta. And so the first time I went over there, I was still kind of new to the institution, um, I went over there, had my white coat, had the stethoscope, and obviously the first thing they thought was, I want to be a doctor. doctor. Like, okay, how can, what do I do to explain PA to, you know, <laughs> some eight, nine-year-olds? Like, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, let me. So it was just um, you know, just a fun thing and, and something that we do so well at Morehouse is to make sure we're tapping in. We have so many pipeline programs at so many different levels, starting elementary um, high school, um, even undergraduate programs to try to make sure we're preparing um, students to be able to come into this. So I also encourage, you know, my colleagues across uh, the, the country to think about those programs. So figure out what is the means to be able to um, start diversifying our classrooms. And it might mean, you know, starting at that elementary school that's inner city or, you know, that's diverse to say, we're going to partner, we're going we're gonna to partner, we're going to adopt this school and we're going to be the difference. But I can get on a soapbox. I'll try not to. No, but, mm -hmm. no, no, it's very important. And I think, I think that you, you made a great point about that. And the other end that I'll just put a plug in is, is we, we need to be cognizant of our bias and, and, yeah. you know, ensuring that your team's going through implicit bias training before you start looking at applicants um, and, 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 and having a, a leadership culture around the table that you can have those kind of call each other out on things. If somebody says something, you're like, ah, that's really, you're, you're bringing in bias. That's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. We need to you know throw, throw the, the touch, not the touchdown flag, the referee's flag into the table to say time out. Let's have a conversation and yeah. let's rethink this applicant. Yeah. So it is, it takes a lot of different approaches for us to fix this mess. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. We, we use a term um, and it's institutional wide. We use a term that we say we have, we bring in students um, with diverse academic backgrounds. And so that's why I can, you know, openly say we're not looking for all 4.0s, 3.8s. We're looking for a diverse group of students. Um, and then obviously we're tasked with making sure we have those support systems in place for all of our learners. Um, and so we're still growing and learning as a team, what that looks like and, and what we need to do to maneuver that. But, you know, it might mean taking a look at diverse academic learners. You know, they're coming from all different backgrounds and training and everybody's not going to look the same on paper and you don't want that. So it might, you know, yeah, you don't want that. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. That in fact, diversity of thought, I mean, there's so much power in that. We all grow. Well, Dr. Dawson, thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, we appreciate your thoughts and your insights and hearing more about Morehouse School of Medicine. And uh, we hope our listeners learned some things about your you and your program today. Thank you so much. Well, we'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Pangela Dawson, for sharing her insights about her path to becoming a BA about the Morehouse School of Medicine PA program, and about very important topics around racial justice. Tune in next week as we celebrate National Coming Out Day by bringing on a very important guest, Mr. Joseph Burwell. Joseph is the only PA known to have transitioned while serving with the CIA. And Joseph has done amazing work internationally 
and also in the United States related to medical mission work and asylum seeking care for individuals seeking asylum here in the United States that are also trans or transitioning. Until next time, we wish you success with whatever path you are walking in life and thank you for joining us. The purpose of this podcast is to provide news and information on the PA profession and is for informational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policies of the University of Arizona.